I read recently about somebody who was bemoaning the state of biblical illiteracy, even among Christians and in a church. And he shared the story about a church where just received a young pastor. And when the young pastor came along, he decided that what he's going to do first is go around and visit each Sunday school class. And so he began his first Sunday by visiting a boys' class and Sunday school class. And he asked the boys, would you tell me, please, who knocked down the wall of Jericho? The boys were silent, and then they began to look at each other and began to deny it. They said, I didn't do it, and I didn't do it. (laughs) They said, I didn't do it. I wasn't anywhere near it. The young minister was absolutely appalled. He was disgusted. He, he, he couldn't believe the, the lack of biblical knowledge, the biblical ignorance. And he called a parish council meeting. So he went to the council meeting and he began to tell them what had happened. He said, I went to this Sunday school class for boys and I said, I asked them who knocked down the wall of Jericho. And none of them knew. And then there was silence. And finally, a veteran of disputes, church disputes. If I said to the minister, I said, now, minister, listen. It appears that this matter is bothering you. But I have known these boys since they were born. And if they said they do not know, they do not know. I believe them. (laughs) Let's just get some money out of the repair and maintenance fund and fix the wall and get on with it. You know, beloved, this is more true than not. While education supposedly has accelerated in the past 100 years, a knowledge of the Word of God has been far less than our parents and certainly far less than our grandparents' generation. And one of the reasons for this is that we have been catapulted into postmodern culture, the postmodern world, with such speed that it served to isolate us from the Word of God. Let me stop and explain to you what postmodern culture is, what it means, and why it has served to isolate us and root us away from the Word of God. The Bible said in 1 Chronicles chapter 12, verse 32, that the men of Essachar, basically the Bible saying they were men of wisdom. And the reason for this is because they said the men of Essachar understood the times, or in some translation, they had understanding of the times. And if there is one tragedy among Christians today, is that they have ceased to understand the times in which we live. Now, whether you are 14 years old or 40 years old, you need to understand the times in which we live in order to understand what's going on around you, in order to understand the confusion that is happening to us as a culture and as a society. But the sad indictment of Christians is that they do not try to understand the times in which we live. Historians have divided the history of Christendom. They have divided the history of Western civilization into three periods, what they call the pre-modern, the modern, and the post-modern. The pre-modern times began with the collapse of the Roman Empire in the beginning of the fourth century. 
In the beginning of the fourth century, people interpreted reality in terms of their knowledge of the Word of God. Their worldview was dominated by the knowledge of the Word of God. It was a time of the great St. Augustine and so many other great thinkers. But gradually, Christianity became distorted. It became disfigured as the authority of the Roman Catholic Church replaced the teaching of the Bible, which ushered in the middle period, called the modern period, in the beginning of the 14th century. During the modern period, there were two competing ideas. There were two competing worldviews. There was the Reformation, and there was the Renaissance. The Reformation placed God supreme, and therefore man with the power to glorify God in every human endeavor. The Renaissance, on the other hand, gradually made man to be at the center of the stage. Renaissance gradually made man to displace God as the focus. The cry of the time was, I think, therefore I am. Secularism, which is a direct descendant of the Renaissance period. One historian put it right when he said that was the beginning of when God was dethroned and man was enthroned. The modern era is when humanism, humanism means that man is the focus and at the center. That was the time when humanism and the physical world and the natural world grew larger in society and in society's mind while God and the supernatural were marginalized. And in the light of this, there was a group of men and women on the continent who sought to get away from this modernist atmosphere. And they sought to develop a society in a new world where God and His Word dominate, where God and His Word are supreme, where God and His Word would occupy the center stage, and they landed on Plymouth Rock. But by the end of the 19th century, the beginning of the 20th century, came the attitude that man can do anything if he puts his mind to it. And that was the beginning of the postmodern period, the postmodern era. Postmodernism did not begin in the 60s as a lot of people think. It really hasn't. Postmodernism began to impact society and they began to see the effect of it in the 20s. Postmodernism thinking that has been sweeping right across, marching right on since the 20s, have now dominated the air that we breathe, has now filled the atmosphere. When you say, well, how do I understand that? Let me characterize postmodern thinking for you. The pursuit of truth is meaningless. The idea of morality, it's an obsolete. The concept of authority is outmoded. Honesty, well, that's just for the fools. Truth is relative. And by the late 20th century, beginning of the 21st century, here we are. Literally, our day is filled with impact of that kind of thinking upon our lives, your life and mine. It's in the movies that we see. It's in the television shows that you watch. It's in the books that you read. It's in the words that teachers teach. It's in the halls of academia. It's in the business world. It's in the courts of law. It's in the boardrooms. It's in the shop floor. And yes, it is in the church institution today. 
Everywhere you go, postmodern thinking has permeated the atmosphere. My friend, I want to tell you something. Listen to me carefully, please. We are exposed to postmodern thinking 16 hours a day. 16 hours a day. From the moment you wake up to the time you go to bed at night, you and I are bombarded by postmodern thinking. From the moment we wake up in the morning to the moment we go to bed at night, postmodern thinking is dogging us. And you say, how would I recognize that in my sphere of influence? I want to give you some examples. Let me give you some practical ways to recognize this in your life, whether you're in business, whether you're a student in school, whether you're a housewife at home. Here's the first thing. The symptoms, first symptoms of postmodern thinking that has invaded our culture. Every opinion is equally right. It's number one. Mark it down. Every opinion is equally right. Those who assume authority have no right to do so. Husbands, spiritual heads of their homes, well, that is just belong to the dark ages. Children are under the authority of their parents that ought to become illegal. The authority of the Word of God is just the church's way of keeping people under their control. The absolutes of God, well, they're just your interpretation. You try to stand up and say, but God says there is right and there is wrong. They say, yes, but the Bible is an archaic book. The second way postmodern thinking has invaded our minds, our homes, our businesses, and our schools is this. Style is far more important than substance. Style is far more important than substance. Outward appearance is far more important than inward commitment. And that is why you find that one of the fast-growing profession are the spin doctors. The spin doctors who try to tell you what you should think about what you just saw. In politics, in business, and yes, in the institutional church. Even in the church today, people talk more about a church's style of music than the quality of teaching and preaching of the Word of God. Postmodern thinking says that you create an impression that you want to create. Impression is everything. Appearances is all that matters. Packaging is more important than content. Outward appearance is more important than inward reality. And that is why Hollywood make-believe today is blurring the line in the minds of the young ones between what is real and what is unreal. And the third symptom is this. In postmodern world, words have no inherent meaning. A word can mean one thing to me and mean something totally different, not similar, but totally different to somebody else. What I mean by that. Dictionaries now, their definitions of words do not mean a thing anymore. Some people hear me preach my heart out from the Word of God, and they walk out of these doors and say, well, that's just what he thinks. That's just his interpretation. 
The best example of this that I can give you is found in the words of a former president during the time of his impeachment said the following words. It all depends on what your definition of is, is. (laughs) Best example I can come up with. The fourth symptom of postmodern culture is this. They tell you that Western civilization is oppressive. But other cultures are superior. Therefore, Aristotelian logic is out. Eastern mysticism is in. George Washington is out. The Dalai Lama is in. Because Western culture, they say, has been dominated by Judeo-Christian thought. Therefore, they say, it is oppressive. And oh. But Eastern mysticism is much preferable. So, Father God is out, but Mother Earth is in. And the fifth and the last symptoms that I want to share with you is this. And it is the biggest contrast between a modernist and postmodernist culture. And it is the contrast between intellect and feelings. That's probably the most blatant distinction that distinguishes our culture. If you read history, you'll understand what I'm talking about. In modernism, logic, reason, intellect were valued. So Christians were able to appeal to the mind, to the logic, to the reason of the supernatural and of God and of death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And we all knew how to define the gospel of Jesus Christ in terms of logic. But now, in postmodern culture, feelings, emotions, individual values dominate our environment. In modernism, when people disagreed, they considered the other person's view to be an error, to be a mistake. In postmodern culture, when people disagree, they assume that all views are correct for someone. In modernism, knowledge was vitally important. In postmodernism, one's opinion is of uttermost importance. And that is why all these news programs always asking people to call in and express their views, express their opinion, express their feelings. Call us with your opinion. Email us with your views. Tell us what you think. From issues of politics to issues of war and peace, to issues of making laws, they are not driven by what is right and what is wrong. They are not driven by what is true and what is false. They are driven by how people feel about it. Do you like it? (laughs) Well, if you don't like it, then we better not do it. But if you like it, no matter how bad it is, Okay, we'll go along. Beloved, I want to tell you something. Given all these pressures that is upon us from postmodern culture, no wonder, as I shared with you in the past message, less than 18% of all who call themselves believers, Christians, read the Bible on a daily basis. No wonder, with all that pressure that we are under, people have given up reading the Word of God have given up understanding the power that's in the Word of God. They have given up the treasure of the Word of God. I want you to hear me right, please. 
There is no way on God's earth, listen to me, I'm making a strong statement. There is no way on God's earth when you are bombarded by the postmodern culture thinking 16 hours a day, day in and day out, and you come to church on Sunday for two hours hoping that those two hours are going to neutralize the impact that postmodern world has upon you. It cannot work. It's an impossibility. I want you to hear me right. This is important. Today, Satan is succeeding in neutralizing the power of the Word of God just as he succeeded in the Garden of Eden in neutralizing the power of the Word of God to Adam and Eve. Back then, he brought doubt about what God said. Did God really say that? And today, he's bringing doubt on what God said. Back then, he managed to convince Adam and Eve, Eve first and Adam, that what God said was not relevant to them. That what God said was inadequate for them and their needs. That what God said was not really for their good. That what God said was not really for their happiness. Oh, come on now. Who doesn't want happiness? And here's what he tells our culture, our day, thousands of years later. He goes to them and he comes to us. He said, do you want to be happy? Don't read the Bible. You can't be happy and believe this. Listen to what Donald Trump's second wife said. Marla Maples, you'd be amazed what I read. <laughs> She was being interviewed, and she was boasting about her Christian roots. And she said, I believe in the Bible. And then she kind of interrupted herself and immediately kind of added a disclaimer. Here's what she said. But you can't always take it literally and be happy. (laughs) Hear me right on this one. Take it from me. If your focus is happiness, listen to me. If your focus is on happiness, the only happiness that you're going to bring about is the happiness of Satan. But if your focus is holiness, then God is going to give you happiness as a bonus, as an added benefit. Satan's deception has not changed in thousands and thousands of years. It is happening today before our own eyes. From the time of Adam and Eve to our time, Satan's deception is exactly the same. It has not changed. I don't think he's bright. In fact, that's exactly what the Episcopalian bishops said in Minneapolis. Has God said? What they're saying is that Satan is right. Has God said? Heard one of them blabbering away about, well, if homosexuality is a sin, then Jesus would have talked about it. Well, he didn't talk about incense and rape and all other things that were not practiced by the Jews. They were far from their lips, far from their thoughts. Why would you talk to them about that? Has God really said? Yes, he did. Yes, he did. But it's something very important I don't want you to miss here. I don't want you to miss it. Do you know how often Satan kept on in Adam and particularly with Eve, how often he kept on and on and on. We don't know exactly, but the Bible is very clear that it was a continuous, 
Continuous bombardment. Continuous bombardment. Just like we have today. Just like we have today. Everywhere we go, it's a continuous bombardment. Has God really said? 16 hours a day. Day in and day out. Every chance he got. And I finally, Eve got weary and threw in the towel and gave in. And there's so many people in the church of Jesus Christ, they became weary of the bombardment of the enemy's attack that is coming to us through radio and television and every media and the academics and the teachers that some people just want to give up. Why would you read the Bible? Why would anyone read the Bible when it tells you that sin is lawlessness, that sin is of the devil, that sin is an affront to a holy, righteous, sinless, pure God? Why would you read that? Why would you believe that? Why would you practice that when Satan can brainwash you into thinking that sin is really just merely a failing to live up To one's potential. Hogwash. Why would anyone would read the Bible? Believe the Bible. Obey the Bible. Where it says that immorality is a rebellion against the holy God. And hell is its reward. When they can buy into postmodern culture. Which says to them it's all a matter of taste. It's all a matter of sexual preference. Why would anyone read the Bible, believe the Bible, and obey the Bible when it says that God's Word is the final authority when you can buy into this postmodern culture deception that says you are the final arbiter? Why would anyone read the Bible when it says of what tells us what is right and what is wrong when postmodernism says no rules, just what's right for you? The Bible answers postmodern culture, deception. The Bible has an answer, and here it is Proverbs 14 12. There is a way that seems right to a man, but in the end, it leads to death. It leads to death. If you want life, read the Word of God daily, believe it, obey it. But if you want death, keep on ignoring it. If you want life, feed upon the Word of God. Feed upon its riches every single day. But if you want death, albeit a slow death, then be indifferent to it. If you want to choose life, drink deeply from the Bible and let it satisfy you on a daily basis. But if you choose the wilderness of death, then stay in the desert of postmodernism. If you want life, then allow the Word of God to change your behavior. Because make no mistake about it, the Word of God has the power of God in it. But if you want death, follow Satan's deception of doubting the Word of God. And it will take you all the way to hell. If you want life, treasure it. As your daily possession. But if you choose death. Devalue it. And squander it. If you want life. Let the word of God strengthen you. To stand. And to stand up against the current of culture. But if you choose death. Then go with the flow. 
with all the dead fish in the sea. And so, my beloved friend, I want to tell you, from the very beginning, God gave us a choice. He gave us a choice. In the garden, he gave our first parents a choice. And they chose death. And through their sin, we all have inherited their sin genes. And that is why without Jesus Christ, we can never be delivered from that with which we are born. In the wilderness, through Moses, God gave the Israelite a choice. He said, choose between life and death. And many of them chose death, and they were buried in the wilderness and never made it to the promised land. Joshua said to them, choose this day, not tomorrow, not next week, not the week after. This day, choose this day, this day, to read, believe, and practice the Word of God. Or choose guilt and pain and confusion in your life. An eternal judgment in the life to come. I make you a promise. I make you a promise not that I've experienced for over 30 years. But I make you a promise that comes from the testimony of thousands upon thousands upon thousands of people. That if you make a a promise, not just for a couple of days and then you kind of forget about the message and then go back in your happy, merry way. No, no, no. That's not what I'm talking about. I don't preach emotions. I'm preaching will. If you make the decision to read the Word of God, study the Word of God, obey the Word of God, I'll make you a promise. It will change you for good. Not only that, it will bless you in ways you never thought possible. Shall we pray? Father, I preach my heart out. The rest is up to you. It's your Holy Spirit that is working in us. And I pray that he would come and penetrate deep into the recesses of our hearts, our wills, our emotions, our intellect, and convict us that when we conform to postmodern culture, we are practically turning our back on you and turning our back on the blessing and turning our back on your power and turning our back on being light in this darkness. Oh, Father, I pray this in Jesus' name. Thanks for listening to this message from Dr. Michael Youssef, recently featured on Leading the Way. If you'd like to know more about us, please visit ltw.org. That's ltw.org.